turn with me please again to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that's Hebrews chapter 4 somebody's firing rockets this morning there. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 this will be the last part of the series, although we have broken it through a few weeks of old covenant sympathy and new covenant empathy, I feel this morning that this is meant to be for this morning, not only just for myself, but for others here this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, now take your word. Thank you for the sense of your spirit. Thank you for being here, so faithful as always. Lord, we worship you. So grateful that we can call you our Father. So we ask you, Lord, to take your word and to wing it home to every heart. And take your word, Lord, and glorify your lovely Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we ask it and come, and for his glory. Amen. Old covenant sympathy, new covenant empathy. Remember how in the old covenant, Almighty God, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's always omnipresent, not just in the old covenant. He's omnipotent also. That means he's all-powerful. And he's omniscient. He knows all things. So as God, he knows you. As God, he knows me. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about your life. He knows everything about your thoughts. He knows everything about your heart. He knows everything. Everywhere you go, everything you do, he knows your troubles. He knows your trials. He knows your struggles. He knows your desires. He knows everything. So as God, he knows everything. The great eternal spirit, uh, almighty God himself, as I said, he fills the heavens and the earth. And it's only through revelation of him, through his spirit, that we can know him when he comes to man and shows us more. As we progress in our faith and coming to faith, we can only know him through that. But when we come from old covenant sympathy, and as I said, it's not a great word, sympathy. It's the best I could think of. Sympathy is to come alongside someone to encourage them. And that's what the Lord has done right throughout the Old Testament. And that's what he still does. So don't get me wrong, he still does that. And he comes alongside as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the word paraclete. And it means one called alongside to help. In other words, he lives in us, but he's called alongside to help us in our infirmities. But as man in his son, 
as man, he not only knows all about us, but in his son, as man, he understands us. He understands the frailty of our human nature. He understands how you are, how you feel. Everything about you. There's not a temptation that you go through that Christ cannot say to you, I also have been tempted. The difference is you and I feel, you and I fall. But we're told in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, he was yet without sin. In other words, he was victorious where you and I have fallen. And he kept all that which we could not keep, that is the law of God. And so in him, when we are saved and born again, trusting solely in Christ, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now notice this, old covenant sympathy, one called alongside to help. And try if you can, take it into your mind, what we're meaning by new covenant empathy, okay? Old covenant sympathy, new covenant empathy. As God, he comes alongside. As God, he was, he's always there. As God, he knows all things. But empathy means to walk in another's shoes. I'm not going to tell someone what it's like to have the news of receiving cancer. I'm going to sympathize with them. I'm going to try and encourage them. I'm going to try and bless them. But I'm not going to try and tell them exactly what it's like because up to this date, I haven't received that news. But someone else who has can. So they can empathize to really enter into their suffering. They can really enter into their thoughts. And they can understand and you say, well, you're understanding exactly what I'm going through. And in the sense that Christ, uh, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, is a man of very man. He isn't a, a sort of a man. He was flesh and blood. And he's our great high priest in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Notice. Let us hold fast our profession. Verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, he is touched with everything you feel. He understands everything that touches you. It's as though it's touched, not as though, but it is something that has touched him. So when we come to him in prayer, when we come to him in need, when we come to him in our weakness, when we come to him in failure, he not only knows all about us, but he understands us. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, He didn't become a spiritual body. He became a flesh and blood body. How do we know? He came not on him the nature, for he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He's from the lineage of Abraham. So here we have flesh and blood, born of a virgin, of Mary herself, and he becomes flesh for us. Notice this in the next verse. Wherefore, in other words, seeing he is off the seed of Abraham, 
Seeing that he is man of very man. He's God, very God of very God, but he's man of very man. And seeing he served, wherefore, notice, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. In other words, here he grows up from a babe to a man from the house of David. Here he grows up from a babe to a man from the tribe of Judah. Here he grows up from a babe to a man to be made like unto you and die, like unto his brethren. In other words, he could understand the frailty of the flesh and our humanity. So, as Almighty God, remember, he knows all about you. But as man... He understands you. I'm not saying he understands us walking in a habitual course of sin now. He doesn't understand us doing that. For he gives us victory over it. He understands our struggles to the victory. He, over, he understands our struggles to the victory. He understands our, our weaknesses. He understands that we're frail. And it's in his grace we live. But notice this. He understands us as a man. Notice it says, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. Notice that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. In other words, if God didn't become man, if he wasn't flesh and blood, if he didn't come from the seed of Abraham and made like unto his brethren, he couldn't be merciful to you because he couldn't understand you. Think about this. And if he wasn't flesh and blood, he wouldn't know what flesh and blood feels like. If he wasn't made like unto his brethren, he couldn't be the merciful and the faithful high priest that he is today, that we find in Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Now look at this. Verse 17 of Hebrews 2. That he might be made a merciful and faithful. He's faithful in his prayers for us. He's faithful in the presentation of his wounds in his own hands and feet and riven side for us. He is faithful when we are unfaithful. Notice this. And faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered. Now, will you take that in, brother, this morning when you're really struggling? Sister, when you're tempted, when you're weary, when you're broken, when you're down, when you're hurting, when you're feeling ill, when you're feeling tired, and all those things, for he himself, himself, this is the the personal Jesus we're talking about now. This is the personal Christ. He himself, he has also suffered. And why has he suffered? Being tempted, he is able, notice, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He is able, in other words, to strengthen them that are tempted. He is able to come alongside and know what you're going through and infuse you with grace and strength because he has been through the same situations. Can you see how it is so Uh, important that we see Christ as a man, but also as God. So we've looked at throughout the weeks uh, many things to do with him as Almighty God. How he bowls our tears. 
Our prayers are put in a vial. He, he, he marks our ways. He knows the ways we take, in other words. He numbers our steps. He writes it in a book. And all these things to show us how, how our God knows exactly where you are this morning. So where's your heart this morning? What you're feeling, what you're going through, what's the circumstance, what's the situation, what's the struggle, what's your failure this morning? Where is it that you feel unworthy, but yet you know that Christ makes you worthy, but within you, you feel condemnation? So wherever it is this morning, when you bring it to Christ or the throne of grace, then what do we do? We obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Notice this. We have looked at how he tells our wanderings. And then we finished at how he numbers the hairs on our head. And he also then, we looked at, knows every sparrow that falls to the ground. Or every sparrow, it gives the idea if it comes from high position to a lower position. It can mean from from a high branch to a low branch. God knows every little sparrow. Think of the trillions and trillions of them, not only in the world, but in time. And every single little sparrow, God has seen them jump from a high branch to a low branch over and over and over and over again as the day has progressed, as the weeks have progressed. Throughout the little sparrow's life, there's not one little sparrow has jumped from a high branch to a low branch, from a low branch to a lower branch, from a lower branch to a fence or a hedge, to the road, to the curb, wherever. There's not one that he does not know and see. Then we're told, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And if you're more value than many sparrows, then ask yourself and be honest with your own heart. And let's look at this with intelligence this morning. If that be so, then how much more does he know about you and where you are this morning? How much more does he know about you and what you need this morning? How much more does he know about your heartache this morning and your worry this morning or your trouble this morning and your fear this morning? And so Jesus comes in Matthew 6 and says, why take thought or anxious thought? Why are you worrying? He says, because your father knows. If he knows a little sparrow, he knows more about you. So here we have in the scripture as God, he knows me has God he knows you let's look at a few scriptures that as as man in his humanity he understands us I'll just run through a few and maybe one or two you can turn to and we'll read it but let me just throw a few out there for time's sake in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2 after our Lord was baptized in the river Jordan he's, he's driven by the spirit into the wilderness And as he's in the wilderness, he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Now, in this church, we have got quite a few people to do with the medical profession. Doctors, nurses, paramedics, and so on. So tell me something. Well, you don't need to tell me, but I'm sure 40 days and 40 nights without food and water usually would end up in death, I'm sure. Especially in a wilderness, in the heat of the day. In the cold of night when the frost would come with a cloudless sky. And there he's there with the, the animals and the beasts around him. And when he is at physically the lowest point of the low. The devil comes with his temptation. 
The devil comes with great trial. If you turn this stone to bread. Comes to make him doubt. If thou art the son of God. If, if, if. And that's a, a classical uh, that's a classical thing that the devil does to our minds. One, he makes you doubt. Makes you doubt who you are in God, in Christ. He makes you doubt that God is willing to rescue, to save, to help, and to heal. Makes you doubt that God is with you. Makes you doubt who you are in him and where you are in him. So the first thing he does, he comes to try and make him doubt. But notice the humanity of Christ Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, notice, he was afterward and hungered. He was afterward and hungered. In other words, Jesus in his humanity was hungry. See the way you get hungry? The same way that I would get hungry, Jesus got hungry. Full humanity. He got hungry. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24, the disciples are in a boat going across the Sea of Galilee. And it says, And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with the, wa- covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Here Jesus is lying asleep in a boat in a storm. Here's something to take note of, Christian. Sometimes in the storm... You think that Jesus is asleep. Sometimes in the storm, you're looking for a great arousing and awakening in the heart when all the time Christ is with you right in the heart of it. The disciples could have said, Jesus said, we're going over. Jesus placed us here that we would go through. And Jesus is here. Look. He's here. He may not be awake at the moment, but we know that this man is the son of God who has a plan and a purpose for us. We are going through. Brother, you're going through. Sister, you're going through. You are coming out the other side because with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm, says the hymn writer. Here the idea is that whenever the storm comes, when it seems that Christ is sleeping and nowhere, as it were, awake in your life. Understand that Christ is within. Christ is within you as a child of God. Whatever your storm is, however you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, no matter the size of the wave or the strength of the wind, no matter the gust that blows against you, When you are saved, born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb, Christ is within you. The Holy Ghost, He resides, He dwells, and He abides continually in the child of God. And no matter the feeling, we don't go on our feelings, we go on our faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The things that seem impossible to you is only you seeing through 2020 vision. We see through the eyes of the Holy Ghost. And that's where the impossible becomes possible. So here we have him. And he was sleeping. The sensation of oblivion. Which we all experience when it it comes for us to close our eyelids. And to lie horizontal. 
Christ also in his humanity did likewise. Another one, John chapter 4 and verse 6. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He meets a woman at a well, a woman of ill repute, a woman who has had many husbands. And she's had five, she's with another one, he says, and he's not your husband, you're, you're living with him. And yet he, she finds forgiveness with him. And yet she finds restoration in him. And yet he makes her an evangelist. What do you think of that, brothers and sisters? He makes her an evangelist. He's not finished with her in a ministry. Thank God for his grace this morning. Thank God for his grace this morning. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, there's not one of us would be able to stand before him. The old songwriter wrote, only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. And that is true, brothers and sisters. It's only by grace. Notice this. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. Here we have he asks her for water he's thirsty notice he's thirsty in this chapter. He who is the fountain of living waters he who is the fountain of living waters is thirsty in his humanity think about this the one who called the very seas out The one who causes the clouds to gather water and drop rain upon the earth. The one who calls out to to tell people to drink of him as God. In his humanity he finds he's thirsty. He knows what it's like to have human experience. Jesus therefore being weary sat thus in the well. His limbs experienced the same weakness. Has humanity experienced the same weariness? Let's go to the next one. Luke chapter 22, please. Luke chapter 22. The Lord Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, the night of his betrayal and arrest and his trial. And he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to his father. Luke 22 and verse 44. Notice what it says here. And being In an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. See the word agony there? It's the word agonia. Hence our English word agony. Agonia. It comes from a root word called agon or agon. And it's where we have our base then for agony. Now you know what it's like to be in agony. You know what it's like to be in pain. You know what it's like to be hurting. You know what it's like to be troubled. You know what it's like whether it's a toothache or a cancerous tumor. You know, many people feel agonies every day. It could be a backache. We're speaking of the human side here. But it says here, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. See the root word agon. It gives the idea of people coming to a place for games, gathering together for the games. In other words, you think of the Roman Colosseums, but really this is also really aims at the Greek. Gives the idea to assemble together for the, for the games. In other words, there was going to be 
turmoil. There was going to be wrestling. There was going to be sweat. There was going to be hardship. There was going to be labor. There was going to be nervousness. All of that. That's the idea of this word. And they gathered together like we would have the Olympic Games. They gathered together and athletes would either box or wrestle or run or cycle or whatever they would do. And they, they're, they're really stressing. They've trained hard and the sweat's lashing out of them. But oh, they've, they're at their very limit. And the idea is the agon was let's gather together to see this sight. That's where the root word comes from. And the word agonia gives the idea a struggle to have a struggle for victory. That's what they're all doing, having a struggle for victory. A struggle for victory. Now here's something for you to remember again, Christian. You're not struggling for victory per se. You are fighting from victory because the struggle for victory was here upon Christ. He arose from the dead. He became victorious. You and I are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're not looking for victory in the sense where we are battling with everything and it's such that we are so tired and at our wit's end. Yes, physically we may be, mentally we may be, but there's victory for us at the end of it all. You're already victorious in Christ. The idea here is this, and being in an agony or being in agonia, a struggle for victory, gives the idea also of a gymnastic exercise. Now think of how our Lord was in this garden. Think of what he went through, and we can't even begin to imagine what he went through. Think of the hurt and the, and the hardship and the, the mental struggle. I want you to draw close for this one moment because he it gives the idea, we're told in the scriptures, he fell on his face and he prayed. And the idea isn't just that Christ went in and he got on his knees and he lay prostrate on his face. That's not the idea. The idea is that Jesus, with the weight of it all and the burden of it all, he fell on his face from, the, from standing position right down, collapsed on his face. He struggled in his humanity to push himself up and he fell again. He pushed himself up and he fell again. He pushed himself up and he fell again. He pushed himself up. He was exhausted and he fell again. Our blessed Lord. Our blessed Lord. He wouldn't give in because... He had to make the cross. He had to make Calvary. Oh, how easy we give in. How easy, Christian, we throw in the towel. How easy we want to throw the hands up and walk away from God. Christ never gave up. He went all the way. All the way. The idea here is That he physically was heavy, burdened, exhausted. But listen to this. It also means, not only does it give the idea of struggle for victory, a gymnastic sort of exercise, you know what I mean in that? He's pushing himself up. It also gives the idea of a severe 
mental and emotional struggle. Boy. If I say this and round this up, I have more there, but I'm not going to do another day. I'm going to go on to something else. But I want you to catch this. I want every one of us to catch this. Our lovely Lord. Our wonderful Saviour. That blessed Redeemer. He had a severe and an emotional struggle with the weight of sin the shame and suffering of the cross Father if it be thy will let this God pass from me nevertheless not my will Are those who struggle emotionally and mentally, there are those who struggle physically. But I want to tell you something. He has given you the victory. I want to tell you something else. Battles are fought and either won or lost. In the mind. It can be a battle of will I go to the meeting or won't I? It can be a battle of does Jesus save or not? Is this real? I think it is, but maybe it's not. And the battle is fought and lost, or the battle is fought and won, starting in the mind drops into the heart to receive it and victory is yours battles are fought and lost with I can't cope and I can't go on and I have no strength and I'm too hurt or I'm too too offended and the battle rages in the mind and it's whether we yield and say Father take this cup from me then nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. Yielding to the will, to the word brings victory. Yielding to the will of God and the word of God will bring you into greater fellowship. Yielding to the will and to the word of God will bring you to a place in God of great revelation. Yielding to the word and the will of God no matter the struggle, will bring you great blessing. What's hard? Boy, sure, the cross was hard. The cross meant him giving his life, pouring out his life's blood that you might live. So as man, he understands me. Our reading says in Hebrews 4 and 15, we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Our infirmities are our weaknesses, and it refers to sin and suffering. He understands you. 
He calls you. The word touch with a feeling is a word sympathio. And it means to suffer with another person. It means to suffer with another person to the extent of entering into their experiences as they too have a common experience with them. Jesus has a common experience with you. Jesus has had a common experience with me. Jesus' experience has been greater, deeper, harder to make you and I factors in him. So I want to ask you something. Here it is. Wherefore, let us come boldly. With assurance, that is. Now you should have assurance in your heart after all these weeks. Come boldly or with assurance, not irreverently, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because he's there waiting for you with open arms. May God bless these studies. And I know many online have gotten in touch with us and says how they've been strengthened and blessed. And But may I bless this assembly. I totally wanted to take my time to let you get it into you. And I did that. Is there a battle raging in you? Is there a battle raging? I want to do right. But I seem to do wrong. Is there a battle raging in you? I really want to get back on track, but I find it so hard. Is there a battle raging in you? I want to get saved, but something just keeps holding me back. See, there's a battle raging. And battles are fought and won. Battles are fought and lost. Will you be the victor this morning? No matter what is going on. Lord, I'm trusting you for this. I believe your word. I yield to your will. Here I am. Take me. God bless us all.